Um, hey, my name is Jason, like Justin said. Give it up for Justin, by the way. That thing is so heavy. I thought it took a whole team. You're so much manlier than I am. I tried and I just gave up. Um, hey, my name is Jason. I am actually from Texas originally. Um, and so, yeah, that's exciting. Is there some Texas people out there? That, where are you from? What part? What part of Dallas? Oh, I'm from Rockwall. You know where that's at? It's like right next to it. Anyways, um, it, I am glad to be here um, tonight. I, I am a youth pastor out there, and I'm excited to be here with you guys. Um, before we start, I would love it if we just prayed together and kind of focused on what God has planned for each of us. I'm excited um, for each one of us where we're at, and so let's pray together. Lord God, we want to see you tonight, and so God, give us a glimpse of who you are. And God, may we see you so clearly um, that we see how we're supposed to live our lives and that we actually change because we see you so clearly. And while we're praying, I would love it um, if you're up for it, just to silently pray, just you and God talk and say, God, show me who you are tonight. And maybe if you don't believe in that God yet, maybe your prayer is, God, if you're there, give me a glimpse of who you are tonight. And then if you do believe in that, God, I would love it um, if you would just say a prayer for me. Um, I'm so excited about what God has planned, but I want to make sure it comes out clearly. And so just pray that God would speak through me and frankly that he would speak in spite of me tonight. Well, God, we love you. And we are so excited about seeing what you have planned. Um, and God, our prayer is simple, is that we see you. And so God, show us who you are for your namesake tonight, God. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um, well, like I said, I've been living in Texas for the last year. Um, but before that, I actually lived five years in Southern California. Um, has anyone been to Southern California? There we go. And I don't know why anyone ever moves from there, by the way. The weather is awesome. It's just unbelievable. Um, but one of the things we did, we used to go, we, I lived really close to a place called Disneyland. Has anyone ever been to Disneyland before? Very cool. Has anyone ever been to Disney World before? There we go. Okay. Disneyland is kind of like the indie version of Disney World. It's not quite as big. It's a little older. It has a mustache. That's not true. Um, but anyway, it's a cool place. I used to hang out at it quite a bit. And one of the things we used to do is because we lived there, we got a very cheap, um, we got a very cheap season pass. And so basically for the price of going maybe a little bit more than one time, we could go for an entire year, which was awesome. And so we went almost every Sunday working in youth ministry. You don't get paid a lot. And so we would go there. It was, just a, it was a cheap date. It was a cheap place to go hang out with friends. And so we'd go hang out at Disneyland all the time. And so after a while though, you kind of seen everything. You've hugged all the characters, which is kind of awkward when I, when you, well, I always like to take the picture with Ariel because she's cute. Um, and so I just take a picture with her. But one of the, uh, one of the things we would do, because we would ride the rides, and most rides now, and I'm sure you've been on rides like this, you get to a point in the ride where it's like terrifying, right? And then what do they do? They take your picture. You've seen that? And then you run down and the goal is... While you're on this roller coaster, they take your picture when you have these ridiculous faces. Um, but what we tried to do, we kind of knew they were coming, so we did ridiculous stuff, right? And so um, sometimes we might pretend like we're punching the guy next to us. And so I actually went online and I found a few of these. Um, so we'll go through them one at a time. Here's the first one that I want to show you. Um, the first one we found, there we go. These are guys playing chess. 
That took a lot of work to plan that out. All right, so that was the first one. This next one is great, number two. That guy's just awesome. What I love about this guy, my friend, I'm not joking. If you've ever been on the Indiana Jones ride, he used to get to a, they used to take the pictures, and he would make sure he got on the car with the most tourists possible. And he would be the, he would always ride as a single, and he'd ride on these guys, all tourists, and then right at the picture, he would stand up and take his shirt off. And so the picture was just ridiculous. And so anyway, I love that guy. Um, the next one is one of my favorites as well. <laughs> That's not fake. That is just pure terror. The kid, and then the mom is hilarious. She's just terrified. She's like the mom's seatbelt, too, just like, you are not going anywhere. Um, all right, that one's cool. This next one is a little, yeah, let's just go to the next one. Okay. Yeah. That's, that is impressive. I don't even, that could be photoshopped. That could be photoshopped and I don't even care. That is just like so well done. All right. Um, and this next one is a little bit different. The next one's a little cute, right? Let's look at this one. Right. My favorite is just, but here's my favorite part of this one. This is the one we're going to focus on. Here's my favorite part of this one. Is poor Lindsay there. She has no idea what's happening, right? She's terrified. And, and in her mind, this is what I, I'm sure Lindsay's thinking in her mind. Okay, I'm going on the ride with my boyfriend who's totally winning right there. And his friends, I'm assuming those are his friends. And she's just thinking this is going to be a great ride, right? Like we're on the log ride, I'm assuming there's probably going to be some water, I might get wet. So she is like terrified of the actual ride itself. But as soon as she leaves, the ride was awesome, I'm sure. They go, they turn the corner, and if you're like me, I never buy the pictures, but I get on my cell phone, I take a picture of it real quick. Um, if when she turned that corner, and she's looking for this picture to see how ridiculous her face is, and then all of a sudden, she sees that this thing has been planned out for a very long time. I mean, it's so obvious that that guy didn't even write that. Guys can't write that well at all. Somebody wrote that for him. Somebody drew the ring. Everything is planned. So she sees this, and she sees the guy that she loves has planned this whole thing, and suddenly, this is a lot more than just a log ride, right? This is a moment that's going to, like, change her life. She's going to be completely different because of what has happened and the planning that went into it. And here's why I tell this story, and here's why I want you to see it, is that I want you to catch that we have a God who loved you so much that he planned everything so that when we look around, when we look around, we see that his fingerprints are everywhere. And he wants us to see him and to know him. It's in everything. And what's sad is many, and working in youth ministry now for 12 years, I have seen so many students who go through life and they think, okay, this is just going to be some sweet log ride. And they just take the thrills of what's happening and they think that's what all that life is about. And what they don't realize is that all around them, God has set up this whole, this whole world, our lives, so that when we look at relationships, we see him. Did you know that? He set up relationships so that we would know him better. In the New Testament, it talks about marriage. Marriage is 
What's happening right here? Marriage on earth is one of the most romantic. It is the most romantic. To be honest, in the United States, I think we elevate marriage, and maybe even in the South, we elevate marriage above almost anything else, right? And I, I know this because in your world as high school students, let's be really honest, we tend to elevate dating above almost anything else. And some of you guys can go back to maybe even junior high when suddenly girls don't have cooties anymore and girls are suddenly, you, you are attracted to them. And if you think hard about it, you will realize that a lot of our efforts have been going through life to please the opposite sex and to attract the opposite sex. And if we're happy, it's because someone is giving us attention that we like. And if someone that we like is not giving us attention, we tend to be depressed. And the reason why is because we elevate this above everything else. But what I want you to see, when you read the New Testament, it talks about marriage as a picture. Is marriage awesome? I hope so. I've been waiting for a long time. I think it's going to be great. But marriage is just a picture of something bigger. In Ephesians, he's talking about marriage. Paul talks about marriage. He says, hey, I want you to catch this. Marriage, here's what it is. It's a symbol of God pursuing us. And so when a man loves a woman and he pursues her enough to plan out something as crazy as a log ride becoming a romantic event, it's because he cares for the girl. And that same care, you can't even imagine how much God loves us and he's pursuing us. And so we see marriage is so much more than just two people who are attracted to each other and who love each other. It's something incredibly spiritual. But for us, oftentimes if our priorities aren't right, we tend to just put it at the surface level. And that's why so many marriages fail, right? Because it gets tough and it's not fun anymore. And so people bail. The relationship between our parents. That is a very, God has planned this thing so that as you get to know your parents better, that you get to know him better. Let me show you. What do good parents do? Good parents love, they protect, they provide. This one might be a little bit tough, but good parents discipline. Some parents work so hard on being your best friend that they are afraid to discipline you. But good parents love you enough to discipline you, right? And then what is our response supposed to be to them? We respect them and we obey them, right? That's how a perfect parent-child relationship should look. And I'm sure all of you have those relationships, right? Your parents do everything perfect and you are a perfect child back, right? No. But what I want you to see is God orchestrated this. He orchestrated families in this beautiful way. If you look in Exodus chapter 20, when he's talking about the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are all about us and God. You know what number five is? Us and our parents. And a lot of times when we talk about that, we kind of separate those and go, the first four are about God, and the next six are about other people. No, number five is about God. It's honor your father and mother, and it has everything to do with honoring God. Why, why, why? Because think about what God does for us. What does God do? He loves us. He protects us. He provides for us. And he disciplines us. And what are we supposed to do in response? We honor him and we obey him. Do you see that? It's beautiful. But so many times we get caught up and we just go through world, the world seeing it just 
on surface level. And let me just tell you, two things happen when that happens. Two things happen when you go through life going just at the surface level. The first thing that happens, the first thing that happens is you make horrible decisions, right? Why? Let me explain that. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why? Because you start making decisions based off of how it feels. And you say, okay, if I'm only going through life on surface level and I don't see that God has set everything up for us to get to know him better, we start making decisions that just make us feel good. Jeremiah says that our heart is deceptive above all things. Can I get an amen from those of us who have ever liked a girl that we shouldn't have liked? Right. Because our hearts lead us the wrong direction. And our hearts will lead us, if we're really honest, as much as we like to give the advice, do what feels right, you oftentimes, what feels right is not right. And we put ourselves in situations where we put our hearts out there way before we should. Why? Because we're just making decisions off of what feels right. So the first thing is we make awful decisions. And the second thing is our biggest pursuits in life, what we esteem above everything else is incredibly lame. It's incredibly lame. And working with high school students, I have seen just this path of students who when they get focused in on just how is this affecting the temporal, how is it affecting me right now, they don't see the bigger picture I see him make awful decisions which cause shame, which cause pain. And then on top of that, I see them living, and what they're most excited about is so lame. And so what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks as a a ministry, what you guys are going to be going through is a series called Walking Wisely. And that is saying, okay, how do we live in a way that is wise? How do I make wise decisions? And we can all be honest that wisdom is different than knowledge, right? You maybe know some incredibly smart people that continue to make incredibly dumb decisions. In my high school, we had our valedictorian or our valedictorian and salutatorian were twins, identical twins, which made for the most boring graduation ever because there were two dudes. And these guys were incredibly smart. They were, the val- they were the two smartest kids in, my, in our class. But these guys were notorious for just being airheads. They, play, they, they played soccer. We were playing soccer one time. And one of them, he was coming off the bench, and so he had his warm-ups. He took off his warm-ups to play. He forgot to put on his shorts. So he's out there and just whitey tidies for everyone to see. And we're like, really? That's our Val Victorian right there, you know? Another, I don't even, honestly, their name were Sam and Steve. I could never tell them apart. I just knew them. They were the smart kids. And one of them was driving. We, our, our high school was on a, uh, our high school was on a hill. And so the, uh, the parking lot was on a hill. And so he's driving, Val Victorian of my school, or Salutatorian, I don't know which one it was. He puts the car in reverse. He's backing up, hits the gas, except he forgot to put it in reverse and he put it in drive. So he drove, instead of going backwards, he drove over the curb and landed square on top of another car. It was the best thing ever. I was just like, awesome. That's my salutatorian. That is unbelievable. These guys were smart, but they made 
they, they were made airhead decisions often. And so here's what I want you to see. There's a difference in wisdom. And wisdom can use knowledge, but wisdom, I think wisdom is when you make the right decisions at the right times. The ability to make the right decisions at the right times. The dictionary, um, the dictionary puts it like this. If I can find my notes. The, the ability to discern or judge what is right what is true, right, or lasting. And so we're going to talk, what does that look like to live in wisdom? And there's a guy named Solomon who had one, God gave him one wish. They said, what do you want? And he said, I choose wisdom, which is actually an incredibly smart thing. Many of us would have chose a relationship. Many of us would have chose maybe success or money. But he was so smart because he said, if I have wisdom, I know how to get into the right relationships. If I have wisdom, I know how to use money wisely. I live in Dallas. We had a rookie last year named Des Bryant, incredibly talented. He got a paycheck over a million dollars. He spent $800,000 on jewelry. That's crazy. But you know what's crazy about it? That didn't just happen overnight. I guarantee you, if we were to hang out with Des when he was making far less money, he was horrible with money before it started. And so the bigger the, the money he had, the worse his problems looked. And so, man, I want us to learn what it means to live in wisdom. And so there's some verses we're going to look at today as we kind of open the series. And it says this. This is in Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Then he goes through the next few verses, and it talks about why he wrote this book. Why this book of Proverbs is written. I think we might have this on the screen. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. Verse 2 says this, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discre discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obey, abstain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying the words of the wise and the riddles. Verse 7, and this is the key verse of, of it all in Proverbs 1-7. The key verse, I think, of the entire book of Proverbs is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let me say that again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so what Solomon is saying, okay, I want you guys to, as you make these decisions in your world, I want you to have wisdom. I want you to realize that there is a, something bigger going on. And he uses this phrase that I never understood when I was your age. And that is the fear of the Lord. And it's spoken in a way that we are supposed to be afraid of God. And I used to hear that and be so confused. Because if I'm afraid of someone, especially a person, that's not a positive thing, right? So how can this be a positive thing? I want you to look at, at a, a different verse, Psalm 130, 3 through 4. And it says this, Psalm 130, 3 through 4. It says, if you, O Lord, could mark inequities, O Lord, who could stand? Verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I want you to see that. He says, okay, God, if, if, if you're counting everything that we've done wrong, who can make it? 
Well, no one. But then he says this phrase, and I think this is so huge. But with you, God, there is forgiveness. There is liberation because God has has forgiven us of our sins through his son Jesus. And then it goes straight from this liberation to, therefore, you may be feared. And so there's this amazing paradox that we have of God being an incredibly awesome God who is powerful and mighty. And we look at that in awe, and there's something inside of us that fears that, but at the same time, he has set us free. Most of the time when we think of fear, especially from a leader, if we're afraid of a leader, why is that? It's because they're oppressing us, right? You go to Libya, you'll meet a lot of people who are very weary of government. Why? Because they have been oppressed. With God, we are fearful because we've been liberated. It's beautiful. Real life example that's going to hit really close to home for me, and maybe it will for a few of you. If any of you have ever lost someone that's close to you, I'm 34 years old and all four of my grandparents are alive, but my granddad and I'm in this very weird transition point in my life right now, and I'm at this point where I don't really know what's next, but my granddad lives in Texas and my granddad is awesome, World War II veteran. East Texas farmer. He has been such a great provider, a protector. He's one of the toughest men I've ever met. And it's time for him to go. And he's lived 90 years. And even today, we started hospice for him. And I've had a chance this year. I'm so glad I was in Texas. Sometimes you don't really know why God brings you certain places at certain times. I miss California like crazy. Man, I am so glad I'm in Texas. Why? Because I get to hold my granddad's hand. And I get to see this strong man. And he knows exactly where he's going to go when he passes away. And there's something about there's something about that there's something about that time that even for me as a grandson, it makes me think about what kind of legacy do I want to leave? It makes me think, it gives me a fear of the Lord in a new way that I haven't seen in a while. And that is that for some reason, God chose me. And God reached down and he forgave me of my sins. And because of that, I will spend eternity with him. And I can look at this place and realize this is just temporary. And for my granddad, and I'm watching this strong man pass away right in front of us. And I'm able to have this beautiful fear of that my granddad is strong, but he is not perfect. And on his own, he does not deserve to go to heaven. But for some reason, God showed my granddad at a young age who his son was and why his son came. And I have this beautiful fear of the Lord, of this liberation. And I can talk to my granddad about, I'm going to see you later. This pain is temporary. You're going to a place where there will be no tears. And it's this beautiful fear of the Lord. So I don't want you, when you read fear of the Lord, maybe a better way to phrase it, maybe a better way in your head to, for me to grasp it at least, I, I think of the term amazed humility. 
God, you are big. You created everything. You are awesome, and I am so humble to be in your presence. Amazed humility. And Solomon says, you got to catch this. The whole reason why I'm writing this book is you have to catch this, is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. In Proverbs 19, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The most important thing for us the most important thing for you in high school, and I don't want to put extra pressure on you, but the next 10 years of your life are incredibly important. And that's why we have so many adult leaders in here, because we have all gone through that, that we've all gone through that, and we've seen how crucial the next 10 years is for you as you make these decisions. Think about it. Your best friends, are gonna, you're going to know them either in high school or college, or if you choose to go to military or something afterwards, I'm going to bet the friends that are in your, your wedding someday will be friends that you have met in the next 10 years. That's a big decision. Who am I going to invest my life with? Career, college. Some of you might even decide who you're going to, you might meet who you're going to marry in the next 10 years. If God doesn't provide for you, he's still God and he's still awesome. And we don't elevate that above him. But maybe you will. I guarantee you this, in 10 years, your bar of what type of person you're looking for will be set. And what terrifies me and the reason why I'm doing what I do is because I see students who walk through the world and they have no idea that there is a God who set them free from their sins they have no idea that everything around them is pointing them towards God, that there's a hole inside of their heart that it can only be filled by him, that we are created to give God the utmost satisfaction and when we to, or to give God the utmost glory, and when we are most satisfied in him, he has that glory. I see students who just walk through the world and they just are very temporary. And they gossip, which rips friendships apart, as the proverb says. A gossip will separate the closest of friends. Because we don't realize that's a beautiful, sacred friendship. And so if somebody jumps in the middle of our friendship, or we feel wronged, we have no problem gossiping about them. Or we'll gossip about our enemies to our friends, and we think that strengthens our friendships, but what it really does is it totally shatters them because no one will really open up to you. Because everyone knows this, even if it's just subconsciously, that someone who gossips to you will gossip about you. And there's a lot of friendships that think they're tight because they talk about everybody else, but everyone is terrified of one another, and none of them really open up about what's happening in their heart. I see students that go into relationships based off of how they feel, and then I see the guilt that comes with that. I see students that lead in the band, they get in a relationship, they go too far because they take it, it's all temporary to them. They're very reckless. And then I see them not serving anymore because they don't feel qualified to stand on stage. And then I see them quit showing up. 
And their whole identity is shattered. And so what I want you to catch, and what Solomon wants you to catch, is to fear the Lord. I want you, and this can only happen supernaturally for God to just give you, give you a vision of him that is so clear that you would be terrified to go back to school without him. He set this whole thing up. You're feeling insecurities. One, he knows that you feel them. And two, he knows the root of them. And he wants to cure that. I want for you to be terrified to walk through the world, to walk through relationships, to walk through the relationship with you and your parents without a fear of God, a humble amazement of who God is and what he's done. I flew, I flew in here today. It was uneventful. I jumped on a flight in DFW and I landed in Atlanta. For whatever reason, the last few flights I have taken have not been so uneventful. I flew into D.C. On the flight from DFW to D.C., it was awesome. I was sitting there, and I doing what I do. I was just happened to be reading my Bibles, and I was reading the Bible, and the guy next to me goes, oh, cool, are you a Christian? I'm like, yeah, I totally am. So we started talking. He's like, me too. He had an amazing testimony. This is a guy who grew up Jewish, grew up in a really fundamental Jewish home, and then at, a, at an adult age, he realized just from studying the Bible on his own that the Messiah that he was still waiting for in the Jewish faith had already come in the form of Jesus. So it was this great story. And then I said, well, what do you do? You know, what, what's your occupation? He actually asked me what I do. And I said, well, I work with students. I'm a youth pastor. He's like, that is so cool. I'm like, what do you do? So he, he thinks what I do is cool. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I work in the CIA. I was like, awesome. You know, like as a dude, I'm, there's something about, dude, like one of my friends is a police sergeant in like a suburb of Dallas. And I love doing ride-alongs because there's just, it's awesome. It's like cops, real life, you know? And I'm like, no way, what do you do? Okay, this is what this guy does. He tracks terrorists online. Awesome. This guy, I mean, he is tough. He does, he, he is, he, this guy just, he was, and he couldn't tell me everything, which made it even more awesome. And I wanted, I was like trying to probe questions and he would just kind of have to stop me. But here I am, this guy is sitting beside me at the plane. We show up, okay, then we land in D.C., we land in D.C. Actually, we landed in Baltimore. We land in Baltimore. We leave. I'm like, dude, so nice to meet you. We take off. I'm kind of minding my own business. I, I'm talking to my friend who's picking me up on the phone, and I'm walking. And then they stop us. I say, sorry, everyone needs to stop and scoot backwards. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what's happening. And she's like, yeah, something weird's happening. I see a bunch of police officers downstairs. I'm like, okay. Well, I'm going to hang up. I don't know what's happening. So we start walking backwards. And about the time we're walking backwards, we hear boom, and it starts shaking. And what we realized before that happened, we realized that someone had accidentally left a suitcase just standing there. They left their suitcase behind, and people was, it was a suspicious package, which meant they had to call the bomb squad in, okay? So they were like, everyone scoot back. All of a sudden, loud boom and shaking. People were just like, it's a bomb. They started crying. They were cussing. They were picking up their babies. They were mainly sprinting. The people at McDonald's literally jumped over. They were like, forget the Big Macs. We don't even care. We're out. You know, like they're gone. They're sprinting. And I'm like, what is happening? Like 
I thought, and I look over, and I'm like about to lose it, and I look over, and I just see my, my friend that I had just met who I had already said goodbye to, and he's just like as calm as can be. Everyone's sprinting by him, and he's just kind of looking, and I'm like, what was that? Was that a bomb? He's like, no, there's no smoke. This is, that was definitely not a bomb. That's not how a bomb feels. That was an earthquake, and I was like, I'm in Maryland. Why am I, I felt two earthquakes in five years in California. I just happened to be in that one earthquake that had ever hit Virginia and Maryland. And it scared everyone because it happened in the middle of a bomb, of a, of a bomb threat. People would not come back inside. <laughs> I am not joking. They were out on the runway. They're like, they're like it was an earthquake. And they're like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I know that was a bomb. I know there's no smoke at all. <laughs> But that was a bomb, not going back in there. You cannot make me go back in there. It was really, but what was amazing for me is having this guy, and to be honest, if I'm really honest, the police officers were a little afraid, and those TSA agents were a little frightened. Because when it first happened, they didn't know what it was. But to see this guy, who knows far more than I do about explosives and bad people, and he is just as calm as can be. And that made that chaos so much more comfortable for me. And they were pushing everybody back, and I'm like, I'm just going to stand behind Jack Bauer here because I think he's got it. <laughs> like, I'm, I feel good. And so what I want you to catch, and this is what I'll close with, I want you to leave with a fear of God. I want you to see that this whole thing was created so that we could know him better. And if you go your own way and you're just going through this life as for what it's, as it's happening, your highest pursuits will be incredibly lame and your decisions will be full of shame and regret. So as we start this series, my prayer is for you is very simple. That you would elevate him and you would ask God to reveal himself in such a way that you could see him and you would elevate him above all things. One thing that you might do, by the way, one thing that you might want to do is just to spend time with him, listening to him as he speaks to you through this book of Proverbs. If you haven't read Proverbs, man, you don't even have to read a chapter and God will just punch you right in the face with something awesome. Verse 8 and 9, just as an example. I went 1 through 7. Verses 8 and 9 is just an example. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Right off the bat, just hits you. You need to listen to your parents. You might think you're smarter than them, and you might be on things like iPads and iPhones, and they might send you awkward texts because they don't know how to work it, if they're like my parents at least. But they have been there. And we have to respect them because there's something bigger going on. So I want you maybe as a challenge to take a few verses of Proverbs every day. For me, man, they speak, they speak so much to me. Just the other day someone told me, and honestly it was, it was a lot like gossip. And I was remembered in Proverbs 18, it says that the first one to share a story always seems right. And I had to remember that and go, there's a second side of that story. Gossip separates the closest of friends is in Proverbs. Beauty is fleeting. 
may God wants to use this book to work on your heart and to give him a picture, to give you a picture of him, to create a beautiful, humble amazement of who he is. So let's pray in that direction. Lord God, thank you for being you. Thank you for loving us, even though we don't deserve it. God, I just pray for these students that you would show them who you are. And God, that they would see you so clearly that they would run after you in humble amazement of who you are. And God, we ask these things for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.